this is FD Talks, a brand new podcast series by Funeral Directors Live, where we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace. Well, hello and welcome. Today is part two of a two-part series that we're, we've developed to uh, try to get a, an idea and a feel for what uh, our mortuary science graduates are coming away from school with and, and what they're dealing with as they enter the workforce. So on today's program, Dr. Lubrant continues our discussion uh, and goes into a little bit about what today's new funeral directors are experiencing as they enter funeral service and how current funeral directors and funeral homeowners can help. I don't think this will come as a, as a surprise to any of your listeners in that uh, there are different approaches to how we see work and how we approach work and that changes per generation to generation. Uh, I, one of the stories I like to share about this as far as uh, factors that potentially can lead to attrition uh, it, particularly if individuals feel that they're not able to effectively do a work-life balance so that they can, that one wants to work in order to live uh, today more so perhaps than thinking, I am going to live in order to work. And it doesn't mean that folks today don't want to work very hard when they graduate. They very much do. But I do find a greater mindfulness today with people saying, okay, I'm willing to go this far, but now I also have to have this time for my other that I, I'm not going to necessarily give myself to this 24 seven, 365. Um, so a couple of examples I can think of, uh, we had one, uh, one example where uh, somebody that I know was a funeral director for a number of years, uh, very successful at the funeral home, worked as a preceptor, always did a great job, you know, fine, fine funeral director, anybody that any funeral home would want to have as an employee, very much so. And she was giving her daughter a bath and uh, a first call came in and, she was on call and she had to go and she had to explain to her daughter sitting in the tub with the soap all in her hair, mommy's gotta go, well, what happened? And she explained, you know, a family had a loss and mommy has to go help this family out. And a little girl with her hair all full of soap suds in that bathtub splishing around the rubber duck says, why is it that everybody else's family always comes before me? And I mean, the, funeral director, my colleague said, she said, at that moment, I said, I can't, I can't, I can't have my, my child think that, you know, they are not the most important thing. I, I, and, and she says, I knew I had to find another position that would give me greater flexibility and opportunity to be with my family. And although that they still support uh, funeral service, they're not directly serving client families. It was the same. I had another uh, funeral director uh, say something very similar, where part of the reason they left was because this, they love funeral service. Not one person says I left because I hated work. I've never once heard that, right? I left because I just didn't like working with families or I left just because they were not paying me enough. It was, I have to be able to balance this so that I can serve my families, which I love doing. Never ever heard someone say I left because I hated serving families. I love doing that work. I just couldn't balance all of the demands. And what I'm finding is those individuals as they go out to look for employment and those employers as they look to bring folks in are saying, we are trying to create situations where we can create work-life balance that works for the people who come for us because they understand their, their human resources, their employees are their greatest assets and they need to take care of them. Uh, otherwise, uh, their businesses are going to suffer. Uh, their client families won't get the service that they need or deserve. That was, that was well put. Dr. Lou Brandt, uh, in, in, in your opinion, moving forward in, the, say, let's just say the scope of the next 10 years, what are some things that, that we, uh, that our 
audience as funeral directors ought to be mindful of is in terms of what to expect from mortuary science students coming forward? I think a, a couple of things come to mind, going back on the recruitment component, that it's going to be far more essential to be proactive in recruiting efforts more so than ever before. Uh, bringing people in uh, to funeral homes to give them internship, uh, work uh, job shadow, work opportunities is going to be key. That's gonna be very, very important, building those community relations. So anything that one can do, uh, for example, one of the things we did in our program was we created brochures, not only about our, our specific program, but also uh, using some of the materials National Funeral Directors has put together on exploring a career in funeral service, those brochures, having them out at funeral homes in their reception areas, those visitation areas, encouraging a conversation about that. Um, we've had several funeral directors tell us that um, somebody was at a visitation and they picked up a brochure for one of their friends or their friend's kids or something like that. So being very proactive and talking about what we do. You know, when I went to school, and I know many people I mentored under, we were taught the good funeral director is the invisible funeral director. You know, you're you're there, but you're not really. You know, you're, you have to be available, but don't be particularly conspicuous. And I think now that piece on invisibility in terms of meeting our workforce demands is, is starting to come back to hurt us that way. Uh, one of the funeral directors said to me, you know, I want the days back when I would get, you know, 10 to 20 unsolicited resumes uh, a year. Uh, that, that's what I'm familiar with in the 70s, 80s, 90s and the like, when we had a lot of the people who entered funeral service, baby boomers, uh, worked in the same positions for years, uh, had another 10, 20 years uh, left on their careers. It was hard for folks like myself in the early 90s to find jobs. We were lucky if we found internships. And so you look at the model of, boy, I want those days. As a friend of mine says, oh, yeah, I, I see where those are located. Right next to that unicorn over there. It's like it doesn't exist. That's gone the way of the dodo bird. That, that's never going to come back. So if you're hoping for that, forget it. You're, it, it. It's just gone. You must be far more proactive in your efforts to reach out to your communities, to bring people in, to talk about who you are, to be more visible in that way. I know one funeral director, uh, one firm on their funeral home website, they actually have a learn more about employment with us in our company. Oh my God, funeral homes doing it? Well, you go look at a lot of other uh, places that have online presences, of course they have recruiting materials there. This is new and it's somewhat scary for folks and it's okay. Uh, people are doing that and they're finding some success with that. So I think proactivity is probably one of the most important things we need to be thinking about. Also setting up collaborative relationships with your funeral service education programs getting to know the program directors who are there, making your firms available as clinical sites, as internship sites, also becoming involved financially in supporting programs, uh, working with their development offices. There are a lot of people out there uh, for whom college uh, simply is not something they can access because they don't have the financial means to do so. Uh, we've had uh, several firms now step up to the plate and offer to do uh, student loan pay payback programs, where if you come and work with our community for this amount of time, we will pay back your student loans. And they found that that's been very helpful in bringing people into their communities, getting them established, uh, building up loyalty and the like. So from a financial uh, standpoint, there are a number of things folks can do to partner with their funeral service education programs and the development offices within those institutions to provide students the support they need not only to help them uh, with their college expenses, but also their certification exams. 
taking state and national boards uh, following graduations can cost up to $1,000 or so. And for some folks, they just don't have that money. And I've had a lot of practitioners say, I had no idea that that was a barrier. So perhaps offering scholarships or awards that way. That's another thing that folks can do to help bring people into their communities and into their funeral homes. Offer housing opportunities and hospitality, very important. One of the things that graduates have said to me, particularly if they're going to communities where they don't have any connections, people were very friendly, they were very nice to me, but nobody in the community knew me. So, and I didn't really know them, I tried, but they had all of their relations set up. And so I never felt I could really break in or build some community. Uh, so that's something that people need to keep in mind as they look to recruit and bring folks in as part of your uh, perhaps recruiting either package or your initiatives. Uh, this is what we will do to help support you become an active part of our community to help you build relationships and the like from working with realtors and housing just to helping people get to know other people in neighborhoods and communities. So uh, particularly mindful of folks who don't have connections to communities uh, going to places where they're unfamiliar. Uh, that's been very helpful as well. So those are all things that uh, folks can do, I think, to help um, bridge that pipeline uh, in terms of workforce needs and concerns. Do you have any final advice for uh, our funeral directors who are listening today? I think that piece of proactivity is so important that there are lots of people, I think, out there, prospective uh, workers, prospective partners, who don't know about us, don't know we exist, don't know what we do, um, want information. It's amazing the number of folks that I hear from, if they didn't do an internship, they'll refer to a book or something that was written or they saw on the internet uh, from a funeral director uh, talking about an, a topic or something like that. They read somebody's book or I read this or that and that really got me thinking, which is great. I think it, the more resources, the better, but who's more better poised than the funeral director in the community to be the one taking the initiative to to reach out to this population, to identify their population and to reach out to them and to say, let's be available to make their doors open. To say, we want you to learn more about what it is that we do, who it is that we are. You know, we need people like this. Um, the relationships, if you're looking for that population who might be the uh, high school age population, getting to know your guidance counselors at your schools. It's possible the guidance counselor has never been to a funeral before, doesn't even know what a funeral is. Don't assume that they do. Uh, say, I want to get to know you. Uh, if you have job opportunities that you might be able to post for people, even if it's cutting the grass at the funeral home or doing something like that to get people in your door to get to know them. <clears throat> very, very important that way. Uh, looking at other populations of people that are looking to do career changes. Um, ACE American Council on Education for years has been working with individuals who have finished up military services, uh, careers in military, maybe in their 40s, uh, the same thing, law enforcement and the like who want to do this kind of work, a job career change. I know National Funeral Directors now has begun some in initiatives as well to uh, try and bridge funeral directors with folks looking for a change who might be very good in these roles. So it involves that sense of really being proactive in making networks uh, within your communities to folks uh, who very well might be out there, never thought about this. And once they have a chance to do it, realize, my gosh, you know, I wish I knew about this sooner. I, I, would have, I would have loved to have known more information earlier on. This would have helped inform me in my career choices. It's being very proactive that way. Uh, 
I, I was doing some cleaning in the archives of our program office suite a while back, and one of the filing cabinets, I think it was the class of 1968, but what we used to produce at the university, again, this was over 50 years ago, but it was a booklet. It had every graduate's photograph uh, in it, uh, things that they were involved with, service organizations, and a lot of other personal information you wouldn't even think to publish today, but that was the... It was like a little catalog and it got mailed out to all the funeral homes and funeral directors say, I remember I could go through and I could look through this and well, maybe I want to contact, in that case, it was mostly him, him or him, but it was him and her. That changes now where folks, by the time that would have been produced in today, well, they've already got jobs lined up. They've got the idea of getting some sort of a resource put together. Well, here's your catalog, take your pick, completely gone, never coming back. So how do we go about uh, recruiting folks in our community to learn more about what it is that we do and who it is that we are? What I have seen, and maybe this would be a helpful way to close to wrap things up, is many of the students who I find do, do the best in our program, not only academically, but as far as reaching goals that we set for clinical education. And then when they go out in their communities, really seem to like what they're doing and stay for a period of time. Our individuals that had a really positive experience working with a funeral director prior to applying to a funeral service education program. They may be job shadowed or uh, the funeral director reached out to them because they met them in a name the group or the association or took an interest and said, hey, have you ever thought about this? A lot of times they say, well, what's this? I don't even know what the this is. Well, let me talk about it. Why don't you come? I know one funeral director who shared with me the story um, where uh, he went at breakfast at a, I think it was breakfast. And what difference does it make breakfast, lunch, or dinner at a regular place at this restaurant? And there was one person in particular who um, I think they worked the counter and the register and all of that, but commented on this person just had this personality, this charism where I could see myself putting them in front of families. They'd be terrific at it. And he would say, you know, uh, this is some of the work that I do, and I think you'd be terrific at this. Would you like to come by sometime and talk? Here's the business card. You can call the office. And and kept on, you know, we, we could use some additional help. Would you consider just coming by to learn more about it? And eventually that individual did call. They did stop by, and now they're a funeral director. You know, So it was being very proactive, identifying people that you think might have that, that sense of charism or that, that part right here in the heart. You're thinking, I, I think that, because as we all know, you can't teach that. You know, either people have it or they don't. You can certainly modify behaviors or correct it. But at the end of the day, being a funeral director is something that comes from here. That's why I always refer to it as a vocation. It's a calling. And if we can identify who those folks are and then be very proactive in encouraging them to learn more about who we are and what it is that we're doing, um, I think those type of work efforts are going to be necessary to, to ensure our success. And I'm heartened that a lot of people are moving in that direction and taking those initiatives. Uh, certainly those who have done that kind of work um, have been met with great success. That's very well put. Dr. LeBrant, uh, I have enjoyed visiting with you today. I do hope you'll consider uh, joining us again on this program, maybe in the future. Sure, if I can be helpful anyway, just let me know. Thanks so much. All right, you take care. You too. If you would like to reach out to us about this episode or this series, please visit us online at funeraldirectorslife.com forward slash FD Talks. There you can find information about this episode and submit any comments, suggestions, or feedback about our series. 
and we also welcome your ideas for future episodes. Join us next time on FD Talks as we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace.